All right. Welcome to the Generation Z podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the theory of geometric unity. So, the theory of geometric unity is something that's been debated, you know, amongst quantum physicists and mathematicians and what have you, and from from my understanding, has been unproven in in a lot of aspects of it, and has, you know, had many scientists shaking their heads as to how this all worked, but again, this is why it's a theory, right? Um, regardless, though, I think it's important to to cover, because if Eric Weinstein, who is the founder of this theory, is even proven to be somewhat correct, then this could very well be a radical breakthrough in uh, in many respects. So, Let's start with the basic premise of all this. The theory of geometric unity, which was presented to the world, I believe, in 2013 by Eric Weinstein at Oxford University, essentially proposes that this theory is the ultimate theory of everything, so to speak. Now, it's no secret that within the scientific community itself, there's a bit of a problem, and physicists of all kind, you know, they'll be the first to tell you that the issue is that the mathematical frameworks that govern modern physics, which are, you know, general relativity, quantum mechanics, they don't play well together. Even, you know, even after decades of some of the world's best scientists and mathematicians doing their best to be able to unite, to, you know, attempt to unite all of them in a, in a fluid kind of coherent way. Now, this theory proposes that we must find beauty before seeking truth. And if you don't fully understand what I said, then you will very shortly. So, Mr. Weinstein, the founder of this theory, claims that his approach follows in the footsteps of Albert Einstein, Chen Ning Yang, and Paul Dirac, in that the principal author of all three of these equations that he's attempting to, to merge and unify, they all subscribe to the ide ideology of that, you know, of that of aesthetics first, before anything else. Well, you know, everyone else had thought of things the other way around, which was that they presumed that beauty was the consequence to adhering to data before anything else. So to give a quick example, Professor Paul Dirac predicted the existence of the positron based on the symmetries of his equation that in essence described the electron. And so it's been argued by a select few, particularly Mr. Weinstein, that Mr. Dirac was ultimately led by the beauty of the mathematics, not the data, which is what Mr. Weinstein has argued has been the issue with, you know, many other professors attempting to solve this problem over the course of recent history. Now, most physicists that are working on unification of these issues are, are, are pretty much trying to create a, a quantum version of general relativity. But... Mr. Weinstein has proposed that we should instead start with the basic geometric tools of general relativity and work at extending the equations in natural ways that make sense with respect to the principles of mathematics without worrying as to whether or not they fit into the universe that we're currently aware of. And so the idea is that once these equations become present at our disposal, we can then try to match them up with reality. So ultimately, at the heart of Mr. Weinstein's theory is the so-called observers, 
which contains the, you know, the familiar four-dimensional world that we were aware of because we live in it, and then also contains an additional 10 dimensions, which occur mathematically from taking the initial four that we're present in, and we then, ex you know, extending the mathematics of them, which then appear in general relativity as the diagonal entries within a four-by-four four matrix, right? Now, in addition to all of this, the mathematical symmetries of the resulting equations predict three families or generations of particles and essentially correspond with that described within the standard model. Now, here's where it gets very interesting. Mr. Weinstein's theory predicts that new undiscovered particles, along with mere images of all these particles, propose that this group of predicted particles in which we're unaware of could be the dark matter, again, could be the dark matter that we see throughout space that no scientist has yet been able to figure out what the fuck it is, right? All this dark matter in space that we don't know what it is. So there are arguments that these particles and, and predictions should have already been discovered uh, because of the tests that, have, that are being conducted around the world where scientists are essentially smashing particles together in labs, you know, like, you know, merging them and all that, and all that kind of stuff. But again, this seems to me at least to be a proposal that has yet to be proven, but it's certainly above the, the regular standard in physics. And, and therefore, it may be something that we don't understand just yet, but, you know, we could. Now, at the same time, I also want to note that I looked at this as best as I can, but personally, I'm by no means a, a mathematician or a physicist or, or anything of the sort. Now, the other thing which I find most notice, uh, notable about this is that Mr. Weinstein did not have a solidified counter-argument to the questions that were raised about his theory. But instead, what he was trying to do was encourage there to be a healthy debate and conversation on this topic, which is something I can appreciate because Mr. Weinstein himself openly admits that he doesn't have all the answers and that he's open to finding ways in which this can be improved. And so I think this theory is something that should be considered to be debated upon within the scientific community in a, in a respectful manner as to, you know, as what most scientists should be doing anyways, right? Which I, I think they are. But, but one thing I want to note is that as someone who does their best to delve in and think about these things with no academic, you know, degree to back it up whatsoever, I think that... I think that I found that even though I may not fully understand this theory to its fullest extent, and I took a little bit of time to, to think about this, the fact that I can understand the premise of it and a little bit beyond that, above and beyond that, makes me very excited for the things that are, for the things that are, are, are yet to come. And I have this feeling that science is missing something simply because there are things in which we as a species uh, and as humans don't yet understand. And I'm not trying to judge the scientific community by any means, but you know, I absolutely love the fact that theories like this are provided in order to bring more of an alternative perspective on the subject that is trying to literally dissect and figure out the theory of everything. Which, again, once we figure that out, will explain a lot of things for us. I mean, 
there have been attempts through this, like through things like you know the, the string theory and the M theory that have been proposed to be the, the theory that explains and links together all physical aspects of the universe. But again, that hasn't been proven. And even I personally know how limited those theories are, specifically if we accept the fact that there are tons of things outside of our knowledge of understanding and belief. We can't say with all respect to the person uh, who founded it that, that the M theory or the string theory is the theory of everything. And I think that there's, there's a lot more to discover. And I think that a lot of proposals, you know, such as the one I just talked about, you know, like the theory of geometric unity, will be explained by working backwards in a certain sense, or kind of what we would call reverse engineering. And so we would hypothetically be led to discover something before we can, you know, discover something else, rather, before we can solve the theory of everything. And then that discovery will lead us back to what we've been trying to solve all along. And I, I think it's part of the evolutionary process, so to speak, Sometimes you got to discover something much more farther ahead in order to work our way backwards and understand the original concept of that of whatever it is that we're observing or or looking to uh, to discover. And I just want to stress that the theory of everything is important because it has yet to be found and or confirmed. And the theory of everything essentially explains what this world is made of, right? It explains, you know, the the, the dark matter that makes up. I think it's like. 75 or 80 percent of the universe it explains the air like everything it explains us being present us being alive us being able to 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 live on this habitable you know incredible planet as human beings and, and be able to to do whatever the fuck we want right so the thing like one thing i can say for sure is that the world we live in is a very interesting and beautiful world and for there to be aliens and alternate dimensions or what have you, it wouldn't surprise me. But until then, it's sort of like, you know, it's kind of like taking a car or a plane and then dropping it into the era of the, the, the 1500s. If you took a car of today and then dropped it into the era of the 1500s, the people of back then simply wouldn't understand it. And I think that that is where we may be within our society today when it comes to the theory of everything. We're just not there yet. We just don't understand it yet. And so I think that we've scratched the surface on some things, but I think that we still have a, a, a very long way to go. So that's all for this episode. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, whether you're if you're watching on YouTube, feel free to subscribe, like, comment, give your thoughts on this. I'd really appreciate it. And um, if you're listening, feel free to uh, rate, to download the episode, and, uh, and comment as well. Thank you.